Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 221, episode 4 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. Now, this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it is Thursday, January 27th, 2022, which of course means that it is National Chocolate Cake Day. Oh. Yumma yumma. <laughs> glad it has. I'm glad it's getting recognized. Yeah. Are you a are you a chocolate cake head? Yeah, I'll eat chocolate cake. I mean you I'm will. not <laughs> you'll allow yeah. it, but you're not yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. a I devote. Mean, if it's very, if it's like just chalk full of, you know, icing and shit, not fondant, then yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll I'll I will consume it. I just like a cake that's all fondant all the way down. Just the the sticky part. Just going <laughs> that the cake is that too. And it's right. just Yeah. You, it takes uh, forty five minutes to process a bite, but that, that's how you know it's working. That's where the good stuff's at. Well, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka To the Daily To the Zite. To the Zite. <laughs> Dropping podcast day and night. Till Mike Barbaro cries. Daily Zite, motherfuckers. Ah, Zite, Zite, motherfuckers. Uh, that is courtesy of Pick Last and Zite Class. Uh, go to Joe 30330. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Oh, boys, Miles Gray, straight from the San Fernando Valley, just pulled up off Lancashire, so sweaty because he's been exercising for the first time in months. It's Hideo Noho, and thank you so much. Uh, for tuning in. Thank you so much. Thanks for All right. All right. You really been exercising? Those demons? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Get There's so many demons I fight daily in the streets. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Miles, mm-hmm. we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very special guest. Uh, it's a journalist who went undercover in the far right for a year, attending QAnon events and CPAC, uh, mingling with straight-up Nazis, even spending time with Proud Boys just before the uh, January 6th insurrection. Please welcome the talented, the brave, Amanda Moore! Amanda! Welcome! I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, how are you? What's good? What's new? What's I mean, I don't know what's new. This is the first time we're meeting you, so I say that. Oh, you know, just just normal stuff, (laughs) Um, finally. Uh, Just being a normal person, not having to be a secret Nazi on the side. It's pretty, pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's new to me it's new to me being right old. right 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 <laughs> uh yeah i'm glad you're glad you're off uh secret nazi duty uh for the moment me too yeah yeah uh what i actually i was gonna be like where are you located like we normally ask our guests but i don't even want to oh no presume I'm, I'm in, to <laughs> <laughs> i'm in dc it's fine that part I okay think, um everybody knows that now. is known okay Oh, cool. <laughs> oh they all known. know now. Yeah, it's all over Instagram. <laughs> oh God, is that was that like sort of a moment where like in the like a rom com where they're like, "But I loved you. You were against <laughs> me this whole time." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some I mean, that was the first what? question we all had as rom com fans: is what were there any sparks? I was a pet. <laughs> I was a okay. pet. <laughs> my nightmare is that somebody makes a movie about my life and like calls it the last fascist and like my character falls in love with a Nazi. And so you guys are breathing this into existence. Oh no. <laughs> They're like, it started as a game and you're like, I don't, I know, but I love him. Something about Nick Fuentes. <laughs> I mean, that I is know. the, that could be, that is definitely a possible future when once like the right becomes more and more normalized where it's, 
yeah, that that actually I think is in play. Where the studios so. are like, yeah, McKinsey gives the Hollywood studios a report. It's like, <laughs> you're leaving a lot of money on the table by not talking yeah. about this stuff. Once this Kid Rock song really takes off, Ooh. they're going to they're gonna be like, there are fans out there. Uh, there is unrecognized revenue. And that is <laughs> what matters. Are you actively, are we allowed to speak to any work that you're actively doing? Your screen name? For, oh, for yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you came on with a different name than uh, the one we were told. Confusing us. Uh, it doesn't yeah. take much. But we were like, we we were told we were going to meet Amanda. <laughs> Is Amanda in the room? <laughs> Is this that? Okay. But, but you, you're, so you're still working your, working your spy craft out here in the digital realms. So that's cool to see. Yeah. Did you always have the kind of personality that would lend itself to doing things like this to be like you know want to entrench yourself in a, a world that you didn't like or just to be like i'm i can kind of be a chameleon i can get through i can i can walk through doors and convince people that i'm into the nonsense that they're talking about um well i was raised evangelical and then my parents are both trump supporters so mm, okay. it's a it's not much of a, a leap i was um, a libertarian for many years until actually until michael brown uh, was murdered mm. and so a lot of people i knew from the libertarian world like kind of there's there's a lot of crossover, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um. So yeah, you know, a little easier. And then do you do you like pranks? <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you like just pulling the rug out from under people? Like, come on, big pranks. Come on. I I wish that I could have been there when everybody realized like what right. happened. I would pay any amount of money, anything <laughs> to like right. be able to have a recording of that conversation. I mean, Candid Camera was a uh, was a failed show or like a middling show for a number of years until they realized that people wanted to see the moment. Like they were editing out the part where the prank was revealed and it became a hit once they had the added the moment where the person came out and was like, there's a camera there. There's a camera there. <laughs> oh, and they're like, what? Oh, no. Oh, my God. I stabbed yeah. the hot dog on a stick guy, though. <laughs> oh. Exactly. What a goof. All right, Amanda, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. We're going to talk about how Kid Rock has officially owned the left. Mm. The, the right is both getting very funny and the left is terrified, but they're also getting really good at rap. Yeah. And the left and is terrified. Got like the amount of just like really memorable hooks. It's like early 50 cent. You're like, yeah. this hook is an earworm. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to check in with another Jan Sixer that just did, didn't have a good day in court. Like, yeah, just, you know, the system wants to go easy on these folks, but they make it so hard. Uh, so we're going to talk <laughs> about that. And we'll just be getting Amanda's firsthand account of what these these people are are actually like but before we get to that what is something amanda from your search history that's revealing about who you are or what you're up to when does the new keeping up with the kardashian show come on there it is <laughs> um, i'm desperate for it i need it they they said that we would have a countdown in the new year you know it's almost february we don't have a countdown to the new show i need i need it i need the show um, yeah yeah is that a, is a trash reality how you offset the sordid reality that you uh, interact with on a daily basis? Oh, yeah. I don't watch like any television or movies or anything except trash reality TV. Yeah. That's it. Wow. 
I have a very similar uh, media diet. I mean, I'll watch a lot of stuff, but sometimes I got to bring it back to home base with some trash reality to, I don't know what it is, just some uh, light schadenfreude, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, in real, like, real life can be awful, but their lives, if they're awful, it's, you know, right, right. their own doing. Yeah. yeah. I have watched early seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I haven't watched in years. What What is like the latest? What was the last we checked in with the Kardashians? What was happening? Were Kim and was, Kanye still together? Kim and Ye. Apologies. Mm. Well, it was like falling apart and like they like work their best to not talk about Kanye. And then they kind of had to because people, you know, like are desperate to hear about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, they said all this tone deaf, tone deaf stuff during COVID going on vacations and all that. And so the oh, show, yeah, like you know, party. Cool. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, my birthday party in Mexico, wherever they went. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of like, I thought it was unexpected. I didn't think they were going to pull the rug out from under them. But I think that the divorce is what's holding up the new show. That's my conspiracy mm. theory. Um, yeah. Like in, in terms of like, they just need to see how that's going to play out. Like, or would like Astro World probably factor into that too? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got a full plate over there, don't they? They got so much going on. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is Travis, uh, Travis got a like character on the show? Like, does he factor I would, in? I would say like begrudgingly, like, right, much like right. he's like, oh, yeah. begrudgingly, you know, her boyfriend, you know. <laughs> Are they, uh, yeah, I wish, see, part of me like can't, could almost watch it, but other times I'm just like, I. The Kardashians sometimes uh, there's it's like like the MCU where there's so much stuff has happened. I'm like I don't even know what the what what's going on with them right now. I can't keep up with them. Yeah, and then divorces I think are tend to be pretty like legally intricate affairs. So I, I'm sure like there's a lot of legal stuff that you know they're not supposed to say, but not saying it would be narratively kind of questionable. So, yeah, that sounds right. tricky. So they just mm-hmm. stopped it after that, like, island birthday party. They were just like, uh, we'll be back. And uh, it, right went on, it went on a little longer than that. But, yeah, it wasn't really like, I mean, I guess it can't really be a conclusion. Like, right. they're right. going to be, like, rich forever. I mean, there's not, like, right. <laughs> there's not, like a full right. capitalism ending. <laughs> like, so. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Can't wait to see what happens with this pandemic storyline. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> What is something you think is overrated? Room Raider. Room Raider. The Twitter account, Room Raider, who okay. I got into a beef with on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Oh. And I'm still thinking about, yeah. What's Room Raider? Oh, my God. Raider. Oh, my God. You're so lucky. You are so lucky. Yeah. It is a Twitter account that is dedicated to criticizing uh, or rating people's backgrounds when they go on, uh, like, CNN or MSNBC or whatever. Oh, shit. Okay. So people have been really invested in this since the start of COVID. And it's like a weird cult. And I made fun of it. And all of their weird fans came after me. So, oh, and they're they're writing a book. They're making a book about their time rating rooms. Okay. So elaborate because I'm still still trying to connect the dots here. So Uh I'm just like going to the thread and... Tom Nichols, the Atlantic contributing writer, Tom Nichols, who we're all familiar with, is on MSNBC and has, you know, his own carefully constructed mise-en-scene scene in the background that includes a framed chessboard. That's just a chessboard. 
our own worst, like some books and stuff. It's like, I get it. That's a great concept for an account because you see what these people want to project about themselves. And it's, it appears to be a lot would be what they want to project about themselves because there is some busy ass backgrounds. So I would be okay with it if it was only rich people. But if you are like a person who gets to go on the news because you're a researcher or because you right. witnessed something, they do it to you. And it's like, well, eh, fuck you. You know, like, um, let's make fun of the rich people who can afford fancy like shit in the background and maybe not make fun of like the grad student who whose paper you're citing. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Wait, what, what's the account exactly? I need to, I'm, I'm, what are you looking at? I'm so confused still. They're just, they're just <laughs> basically fucking criticizing what the background of people's shit looks like. At like rate my Skype room. Is that what, is that? Yeah. Room rater, not raider. Oh, uh, I, I, I knew that's where your MTV ass head was. Gonna I go, know, Miles. bro. I was like, room raiders is back. <laughs> And then I'm like, and they're just and and they're just criticizing people who are appearing on the news. Okay, rater, rated R. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah, that is it. Is kind of like, is this is this all you've got? <laughs> right. They get a book. They have a book deal. They offered to send me a copy of their book when I made fun of them. Well, Damn. What? Oh, Did I you guess, like, have you been room rated? No. Oh, okay. I have not. But now I know if I if it happens to me, they're going to give me a zero out of ten, right. no matter where I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The bias is already there, and that's it's the thing you can there. never get it can never get a fair rating with these people. Right, it's, it's exactly my problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they got they got a lot going on, but and they they do give real ratings. They're like room. All right, I'll just give a sample tweet. Room raider rater update. Good bookcase setup. Flag chessboard one copy of his book he didn't make our book but carla sure did 10 out of 10 yeah it just seems like kind of the in the right hands this could be very cool and in these hands it just feels like one cornell grad making fun of another cornell grad type thing mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah you know just like four hundred thousand followers though yeah no killing it good good idea bad execution four out of ten room raider <laughs> That's what I give you. All right. What is uh, something you think is underrated? Uh, Having your fans on your podcast. More podcasts should be doing it. You guys have been (laughs) doing it. I'm really into it. Uh, (laughs) I feel like it's a banner week for that. And uh, more people should adopt this policy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to even say, like, I I, I think you're, I guess you're referencing to the great appearance of Big Willie. Willie. Yeah, definitely. That's like, it's even hard to call Willie a fan, you know? It's like, right. He's it's, a like, it's like it's like he's more like a satellite Wu Tang member. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Capadonna isn't in Wu Tang, but he that's can rock a little, the W. Yeah, that's not quite fair to Willie because uh, I was including myself. I wasn't just saying him. It's like okay. me too. It's like that's why I'm saying. I mean, I don't presume to. I don't <laughs> presume that you're a fan of our. Oh no! When I hit it, when when oh no! Because after. How did we interact? Because I, I read your article. <laughs> did I did I retweet it or something? Because then we started you DMing. You followed me. You followed oh, me. Oh, I followed you. That's right. Yeah. I read your article and I was like, you know what? Oh, this is a good follow. And then you DM me and you're like, yo, I fuck with the zeitgeist. And I was like, what the fuck? Okay, great. <laughs> that makes it so much easier. Come yeah. on down. Okay. Yeah. Always nice to meet a fan, first of all, is what I like to say to yeah, everybody. Just don't make it weird, all right? Just don't make it weird. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, that's very cool. It would be like if the Wu-Tang satellite members were actually doing more interesting shit than the RZA and Method Man. <laughs> mm. You know, like if they, I don't know. But, but anyways. <laughs> the Wu-Tang structure is collapsing rapidly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that is like, a f- that, that was awesome having Willie on. It's great having you on and our fans do interesting shit that we are interested in. So. Yeah, where everyone's a fan of everyone, you know, fan is such yeah. an interesting term these days. We're all admirers. We're all mutual admirers. That's how I like mm-hmm. to put it. Mutual yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're all mutuals. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And speaking of fans, we were before, <laughs> you know, I am a member of the Kid Rock fan club. Mm-hmm. Just one of the greats to ever do it. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> what what more can you say than that? What more? I mean, yeah. This guy, he dropped a new fucking track called We the People. Okay. And it's just a tour de force of uh, <laughs> all kinds of sick ass phrases and hot takes in the form of a song and i I guess i'll just play well i'm not gonna play this whole fuck it's four minutes and there's no way we'd ever do that uh but let's just go through some highlights i'm just gonna play some selections uh this first part is kind of like in the opening of the song and it's just it's just letting you know kind of like uh the, the way he sees the world mind you this is the first this is the first lyric that he says when the song opens up What? <laughs> oh no! So that's clearly a pandemic take. I'm thinking. Uh, take your pill. What's your pill though? Is that was? Is it because vaccine shot didn't rhyme with mentally ill? Yeah, <laughs> I think that might be it. You know, right? Yeah. Okay, but that's definitely yeah the the rise of mental illness in the country definitely uh, started with the pandemic and people wearing masks so and you know he's saying stuff he's taking shots at fauci joe biden but he does again want to let you know he's like i may masquerade as a racist but i'm certainly not otherwise why would i say this in my song That, that that's followed usually in conversation by all lives matter. Yeah. yeah. No shit, dude. Right. All lives matter. Yeah. Oh my Obviously. God. Fuck you. Uh, what the, f- I, okay. So that's a very like, like black yeah. lives matter. Of course, motherfucker. <laughs> and who's this piece of shit? Is this a black person telling him black lives matter? I think so. I think <laughs> okay. He's so very he's already coming at this person. You piece of shit. Of course, of course it matters, motherfucker. Like everyone else's. Like blue lives, man. You know what I mean? So let's get that. Yeah. I, I just like, it's interesting to think about him sitting down to his, uh, like, red, white, and blue moleskin and, like, writing these. He got a moleskin? Just, yeah, 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 for sure. He's an artist. Uh, yeah, right. So and he's, like, his... a wealthy person, too. Like, right. let's be real. He's masquerading as, like, some... Like, poor guy. He, he, yeah. he has money. So, yeah, he yeah. probably would have a moleskin. Yeah, and just writing these phrases that are 
I don't think they're the sorts of things that have been written down before because they're just like things that people uh, shout when they get drunk and are angry about nothing. Okay, well, I want I want you to hear the chorus a little bit, and then he has some fuck yous to throw out too. CNN, fuck oh. TMZ, uh-huh. and you social media trolls, y'all can suck on these, these nuts. That's what's up. All right. There's another part where I just they he even got let's go Brandon in the song. Yeah. So it's just it's really got it all. And then I just do want to I guess this is the interesting part, even though he's pushing back against like the liberals and uh, the rest of America and the mainstream media. He does have a message, which isn't just all just fuck you, motherfucker, and suck my balls or I'm not taking your pill. He does. I I do just want to point out how down to earth it is of him to be mad at TMZ. Yes, yeah. we've all been misquoted by TMZ or, you 100%. know, we're leaving dinner at a fancy restaurant and TMZ just suddenly they're there asking you questions. And it's just like Americans are tired of this shit. We the people are tired of TMZ, <laughs> you know, asking us friendly questions. <laughs> Every time I get expensive gas that Joe Biden has made eight dollars a gallon, you know, exactly. is there. I'm in my pajamas. Right. (laughs) Every time. Just trying to live my life. And then I also just want to like the craft of leaving us hanging when he said suck on these because you don't know what he's talking about. And then but then he like slowly reveals nuts. These nuts. Exactly. But again, even though he's saying he's like, oh, yeah, it's he said, even though you want to hold these, I do want to heal the country, which is an interesting turn, because right after that, he sings this. Okay. Little cultish, but yeah. Yeah, it's very cultish. I mean, this the big kind of discouraging revelation from this song is that he, like Trump, is not going to let a single like failed political campaign dissuade him from running, <laughs> from continuing to pursue politics, it, it would seem. That's why I'm running for governor of Michigan. Ow! <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Wait, is he really? No, no, he's not running. But he's like done all this like, campaign. Yeah, he talked yeah. about it, and he was like doing like concerts and mentioning it. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, luckily yeah. we just we just have this terrible, terrible song to deal with. So nice try. The kid. song's actually going to be president twenty twenty four. I'm sorry. Right. I, actually, no. <laughs> it's the GOP it, nominee. It, it's actually the new new Supreme Court justice. <laughs> it's prior. <laughs> Uh, it's We the People by Kid Rock. It's an NFT of We the People by Kid Rock is our newest Supreme Court justice. That's that's where we're at. I feel like it. Um, it but, does like the the positioning of we just have to come together and like criticizing division as like the enemy and like divisiveness and like not coming together. It, like that that does seem to be well, coming. Sort of the new reality is that the right wants us all to come together, and so does. A lot of like the quote unquote centrists like that's it's just more like the knee jerk. It it's like, like hey, can we can we not be so repulsed by racism and yeah. bigotry? That's what they mean by come together. They're like, I'm a bigot, but like, let's come together. 
And yeah, I'm maybe actively trying to do things to disenfranchise you. But that doesn't mean you got to just like make fun of me on SNL all the time. Right. Come on. It's like really unfair. It really hurts my feelings. Anyway, so yes, just wanted to touch in on that bit of uh, right wing creativity before this next piece of right wing creativity. Yeah. I mean, well, Amanda, did any any insight from your time with the Proud Boys? Does this does this channel the vibes that you were feeling back uh, backstage at the uh, resurgence of Nazism in America? The right loved their rappers. They sure do. They love yeah. they love bad rap music. They love MAGA music. It is really embarrassingly bad. Sometimes the music comes on. And it's like people live performing, and you're just like, man, I wish that you could just like. Can the Nazi just talk again? Like, can we get this wow. guy out of here? Because this is so yeah. awful. I mean, because this is like the best they have to offer, right? Because he's like famous. Yeah. So there's yeah, a bunch right. of people who are like performing at like Trump Doral and stuff who were just like. I guess Kanye, too. I mean, if he really did a show, that would have been something at that time. <laughs> right. But yeah. So uh, that's just so wild to me. Like, I can only imagine where you have to go to these events and like listen to these people speak, but then you're like, fuck, there's four musical acts. Like, <laughs> I can only watch these little girls like sing like Third Reich hymns for so long before it starts getting stale. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, in the movie version of your story, there what you will that's somebody will get up and rapping. He'll be like suddenly Dreamweaver will be playing in your head and there'll be soft focus and they will have bars. Like the dude who was rapping at at the Capitol on on January 6th who shot that music video. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, th- yeah, like that's the moment you're you're at the Capitol and then you see the guy rapping you're like, hold on a second. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm like, stop the steal. That's right. Let's get this. Let's get yeah. this out of here. <laughs> let's get those ballots. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. All right. Speaking well, of speaking 6th. of the people who were there at January 6th with you do, doing doing their thing. We, we got to meet 25 year old Jeremiah Kaplinger. Mm-hmm. who entered the Capitol, smashed some shit up, had body armor on, but just didn't have criminal intent. Come on, yeah. look at him. He's a nice guy. My honor. Right? Look how stringy my arms are. Okay, and this body armor <laughs> is more like I'm cosplaying as one of my favorite characters from uh, a Telegram channel that I'm on all day. But yeah, his defense of like, I, don't, I was just there to look at stuff. It may have held up for maybe 10 more minutes. Had he not posted like a dumb, like little Facebook flex post with a Cersei Lannister quote. And this post has brought us to the point where now where where federal prosecutors are having to explain the plot of Game of Thrones to begin to connect the dots for people about what this person's intent was at the Capitol. So two days after the insurrection, this guy posted an image of a soldier from the American Revolution with the caption, quote, as said by Cersei Lannister, I choose violence. So then in the footnote of this, uh, this prosecute, uh, the document, they're talking about how this whole, <laughs> so this whole thing happens, quote, Cersei Lannister is a fictional character in the HBO television series Game of Thrones. After being confronted by a group of politically empowered religious zealots who warn her that if she does not yield to them, there will be violence. Cersei Lannister responds, I choose violence. They go on to say that the footnotes also explains that Cersei used, quote, a weapon of mass destruction to blow up one of the largest and most important buildings in the capital city, which contained politicians and religious religious leaders. I mean, Ooh. I mean, I didn't even make that connection. That is good background. Yeah. Good and research. I don't even think that guy did. 
Right. You know yeah, what I probably mean? Probably not. When but... I read that, I was like, oh, that's right. Because what was the what was that shit called? The, the night what that that green shit that they used to blow up the, the Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Whatever. Yeah, See, yeah, this yeah. is how long the show's been and I put it to the back of my mind. But I think for them, it's just like, I like this quote of being like, I have a binary in front of me and I'm going to tough guy it out. And then so they go on to say, quote, in stating I choose violence, Cersei Lannister embraced and then carried out mass murder to achieve her political ends. In the context of Kaplinger posting this just two days after January 6th, Kaplinger's adoption of this quote is alarming and provides insight into his mental state and intent storming the Capitol. I mean, I choose violence was a meme by that point. So by like reference saying that it was Cersei Lannister, like attributing it to that character, I do feel like he's kind of freighting it with a little bit of extra. When shit posting I'm about becomes to blow shit up. Yeah. Wait. And your shit posts are exhibit yeah. A in your federal prosecution. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> I'm just shit posting, man. They're like, no, look at really understand what you're saying here. Oh, right. Huh. Maybe. In your experience, uh, being there, seeing these people, Amanda, like there, there does seem to be like a blurring between people thinking or at least like portraying it as like they're there for the lulls and, you know, the people who like we got Trump elected as like a bit basically and now kind of bleeding into Nazis, like straight up Nazis who are trying to overthrow the government. Like, what just that cosmic gumbo, I guess I would call it, <laughs> of like different types of motivations and types of people. Like what what did you what what were your impressions? Over the last year, I have every every Nazi, every literal like neo-fascist white nationalist that I have met is proud of January 6th. They think it didn't go far enough. They think the founding fathers would be proud of what had happened. And they think, you know, like they're willing to admit it. They think that the whole FBI Antifa thing is stupid and, and embarrassing. And some of them will say differently um, publicly, especially if they're like lower level elected officials. But behind closed doors, it's what they all say mm. compared to like this like weird like I mean, I'll, I'll get like people who will tell I me mean, many of the people that I met were there throughout the past year. Most of the people there were there on January 6th. And I'll have like, you know, like grandmas being like, yeah, it was a prayer circle. We held hands and prayed and like gave Bibles to the homeless people. And I'm like, and she's, you know, they'll be like, oh, like all all the violence was Antifa. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know? So when it was actually happening, like everybody was all in. I mean, I mean, I was at the Capitol, so I wasn't, you know, like far away. So I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe there really was some giant prayer circle closer to the White House. Okay. But when I was there, I mean, people were all in to the point that people were cheering when the police were like, you know having pepper bombs like at us because they thought it was to get Antifa. They thought it was to get the counter protesters that were stopping us from coming into the Capitol. Um, so in the moment, everybody was all in. It's just like what has happened since then. Right. How right. you have explained it to yourself and others. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was at a prayer circle at the Capitol that day. We like we didn't even it was a complete coincidence. We didn't even know what was happening we didn't even notice it really because we were so into our prayers just FYI. yeah yeah and then oh, yeah oh, when and then when jake put on his viking helmet and like left you're like all right later bro i guess i'll see you yeah and, and i remember you texted me you're like man that jake guy's pretty he's got he's got some ideas man yeah dreamweaver was <laughs> like a lot of intersection with like you know like viking uh, scandinavian mythology he was really putting me up on 
<laughs> but yeah, so you're saying like in a way that there's like two levels of engagement, right? Like with the more chest out fascists, they're like, yeah, we did that. And I don't want to hear someone trying to say that it wasn't us because that was like they, they're proud of seeing that. And then on the other hand, you'll have these like older people who are less like if they're there, their mindset has just been more like like that they're on more of a benign mission than maybe like a militaristic one. Yeah, I, I think I mean, like, obviously, like, I think, you know, saying that people that were there were tourists is incredibly right. disingenuous and obviously bullshit. Right. But I will say, like, those like those some of those tourists were just useful idiots that, right. you know, you need bodies, you need people or you can't have, you know, what you're trying to do. Um, and so I I think a lot of people were very convinced they were on the right side and that even some of the police were on their side and they saw like what they were doing as like good. And I, I think they just don't know how to like reconcile with that. I mean, even speaking of like Jake, he was at the other rallies and, you know, families line up and take pictures with him. And I right. think, you know, like I, I think a lot about like those families and those little kids who like took pictures with, you know, the QAnon shaman and like, what do mm -hmm. they do with those pictures now? Like, are you still happy you have them? Like, have, right. you, have you disconnected this much in your brain? It's just, yeah, it's very, it's very strange. And it's, um, I, I would listen to people as they would talk about what they witnessed at the Capitol. And they would say things like, you know, I saw a bus pull up of people and they went and changed in bushes into MAGA gear, which like, why wouldn't they just change in the bus? It's stupid already. Right. And then it would be like, <laughs> and they'd be like, like one lady was like, I think that they were sex slaves. I think it was Antifa sex slaves that were drugged up. And I'm like, right. I mean, just literally any thought to not have to take responsibility for what you did. Right. And it sounds like there's a lot of like, you know, inbuilt world building and paranoia fueling things. I, I really think about that one part of your write up around like the day before, like everybody was just sort of in this sort of stance of like, are we about to be attacked? Like, are we like is something going to happen to us? So that way. So if we need to project more aggression outwardly like that's just a function of us trying to protect ourselves like what sort what was that sort of energy like because that really struck me when i read that part of how everyone was sort of in this like group mindset of paranoia to begin like justifying a lot of violence yeah it was really weird um so the first rally was in november shortly after the election was called and that was like i mean there was violence and there was some paranoia but the next rally in december is really where it kicked up and just being around people who literally would say to me, oh, you're going to your car, you know, six blocks away. There's a lot of enemies afoot. You know, you have to be safe. You have to be vigilant. Like somebody has to walk you. You know, you can't go anywhere alone. And like downtown D.C. is where this is happening. And downtown D.C. Mm -hmm. is pretty safe in general. But during COVID, it's pretty much abandoned. So we're the only people there, you know. Um, right. And it was just, you know, in, in November, people were still, oh, I back the blue and thanking the cops and shaking their hands. And by December, it was, you know, the cops are useless. They are unable to do anything. You know, blue mayors in every city just let violence, you know, run unchecked. And the cops can't help us even if they want to. Mm. And so it was like building up this narrative that the only people that we could trust to protect us were the Proud Boys. Mm. Right. Yeah, there was like your, your reporting kind of, I, I guess I like saw the Proud Boys. I saw the people like crashing in. But then there are all, the, all these people, maybe the people who are like claiming they were in a prayer circle. But they're like not the the Proud Boys, but they're they're in this like group where they are under attack, and the Proud Boys are the only ones like there to protect them. Like was like a kind of level of I don't know, like the the 
dynamic that hadn't really come across to me. That's so interesting because I mean, like, I've I've had a really hard time consuming media. Like, I have not followed the arrests or anything from January 6th. Partially, I've just been busy. I've had to lead two lives, and that's been taxing. But I also, like, I don't, I found a lot of the coverage frustrating. And and for me, I mean, that stood out to me so much. It's, it's like, shocking to me that people are surprised by it because it was, I mean, it, it messed me up for days. Like, that rally in mm-hmm. December, uh, I, was, I wouldn't shut up about it. Like, my friends were probably, like, tired of me, you know? <laughs> right, uh, right. I couldn't stop telling people. I'm like, something bad is going to happen. Like, I, I don't know if it's next time or the time after that, but this is going to be really bad. And then, you know, lo and behold, it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, January 6th, not so good. Yeah. I mean, people talk about a civil war, like the the idea of a civil war has gone from like a silly thing or like a like sort of fringe paranoia thing to now something that's be becoming like a more popular opinion that we're like headed to something that looks like a civil war. Like I feel like we're maybe already in sort of a cold civil war with the occasional flare up. But the more like we kind of exist in the post-January 6th world, the more it seems like a lot of the stuff that you were seeing behind the scenes is not, it's not a, like, that wasn't a breaking point where people, like, took a step back and were like, oh, wow, that was bad, and we need to, like, learn from that. It's, like, you're seeing those, that belief system, like, become more and more popular and widespread, like, that paranoia of, like, we're under attack and, like, only like strong men can save us like i you saw that in the like new york times frank bruni poll of undecided voters like it was basically unanimous people being like yeah we're like the crime is out of control and like it's because we defunded the police and like all these like far-right talking points that have just like kind of made their way out i don't know it, it just feels like the in that sort of civil war conflict that people were saying like would never happen the like i i also think that like the mainstream media and a lot of people underestimate how strong that like proud boy side of it is and has like continued to become like what what are your thoughts as somebody who's like kind of been there for first and seeing it well i think it bleeds into like every facet of what we're seeing right now I mean, if you can whip people up into a frenzy and convince them that there's enemies everywhere, you can get them to do anything you want as long as you're, like, providing a way to protect them. And so a lot of what you're seeing now with school boards is stuff that, you know, I was in, like, little classes being coached on how to, like, run for school board in, like, February of 2021, right? And -hmm. it's, you know, using those exact same talking points and instead of doing it in a a militia or probably street violence kind of way, it's like, how can you do this, you know, uh, with a suit on? And that is why like CRT, you know, critical race theory being such a a big thing. A lot of it comes from teaching people like this is how you combat this stuff. This is like if you don't want to defund the police, if you want crime to be, you know, lower, if you want your kids to be safe in school, like this is the stuff that you have to do. You have to run for office. And like this is why I knew um, I knew CRT was going to like be a really big deal (laughs) because in April, I was at Trump's Doral and a um, a woman named Landon Starbuck, whose husband is running for Congress, she was like, CRT is what they are teaching your kids, the Democrats, to make them more susceptible to child sex trafficking so that they can, like, you know, like traffic your kids. 
mm-hmm. which is like crazy, right? Like it's it's so removed from reality that teaching people critical race theory is a way to make them susceptible to be child right. sex trafficked. It, there's right. no like logical connection, but it worked because everybody in that room was like, yeah, absolutely. I and know I'm those like, buzzwords. Yeah. Well, and at the time I was like, what the fuck is CRT? Like I had no idea. This is April. I'm like, I don't know what this is. But that kind of like paranoia and fear that they just they just go, they dial it up all the way. And it, it makes people do like whatever. So it makes them trust whoever. It makes them willing to run for office. It makes them willing to give their money because they're just so afraid all of the time. And I, I don't see, you know, in the media, there's a lot of people just they're given like equal, equal platforms as though both sides mm-hmm. are, you know, making good faith arguments. And obviously that's not true. Well, we just need to come together like credit. Kid Brown right. said, just come together. Right. Yeah, take right. his hand. Right on these nuts. The land. Come together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suck on these. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. I don't know when people are going to wake up to it because it's it's happening. You know, it's no longer just happening in violence, which is bad. But like, right. you know, I think it's worse when it's happening, you know, in the local election level where people... You can do violence like a limited number of times before you're no longer allowed to do violence. But if you are on the school board, you can do a lot of harm for a very long time. Right. Right. Yeah. It's to that point of like, you know, the ability for someone to evolve. I know, you know, when we were DMing your your time, we're like, I know vaccine cop. Like I was at Mm -hmm. some like Q shit with this guy. And, you know, and we were talking a little bit about Q and. You know, like even there, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also really interested to see like what the cognitive dissonance is like in real time when you're like in these groups and everybody's getting ready for one thing to happen and it doesn't. And you do see sometimes there'll be like a minority of people who may question like, oh, like what, the, what now? And other people are like, just don't fucking worry about it, man. Just fucking keep going, keep going, keep going. What is that like? Sort of what is that process like? And is that even something that is potentially that could happen on a wider scale or like, you know, obviously those people are a minority because they're the ones who are going to somehow, you know, look at their situation and try and and have a reckoning with it. But, you know, what what, what was sort of that like just to kind of watch that happen in front of you? So, I mean, obviously what I was doing was, you know, a self-selecting group of people. A lot of these Mm -hmm. QAnon events I went to were between like $500 and $1,200 to get in the door. So if you're like having questions, you're probably not going to pay all that money. So what I would see more of would be like problems that people would have with influencers. So, you know, maybe someone doesn't like something that Mike Flynn said or somebody doesn't like something that, you know, some other, you know, Linwood said. Right. But that being said, the influencers themselves are very good at like dealing with that and kind of like trying to make those like fears go away. And I have found that when things don't pan out, People, if they get upset, blame an influencer. So the way like QAnon works is that, you know, all of these Q drops came out and there's no, that's no longer happening, Mm -hmm. but people would bake them and they would try to figure out, you know, whatever secret meaning they could figure out. And a lot of the influencers, uh, you know, would speak on these Q drops. So it's easier to be like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so's interpretation was wrong versus, you know, Q Mm -hmm. is wrong. And there's always, you know, some excuse Lynn Wood in particular would say stuff, you know, like Q is you and Q is me and Q is all the people who hate child sex trafficking. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't really need to have any answers because Q is what you feel inside. Which mm-hmm. is like genius if you're trying to manipulate a bunch of people, but it's also right. very dumb. Hmm. Are there other people 
that that you see as like okay this is somebody that we're unfortunately going to be hearing a lot from in the in the future like if you heard about this guy Donald Trump he used to have a reality show and i think he he might have a future now do you like is there somebody that has a lot of like power in that underground that you saw that we should be worried about well first i i'm gonna just say i'm shocked about vaccine police making national news because that's a weird dude i mean even mm-hmm. at a q and on event you're like wow this dude is extra so yeah. I, <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we all he just tapped into the fact that we all want to drink our pee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, a... speaking to the nation. <laughs> um, <laughs> like there was one influencer in particular. I was um, it was actually at the event where I first met vaccine police and I was in my hotel lobby and some random people were like, did you want to go to a, um, a baptism on the beach? And I'm like, yeah, OK. So they put me in their car and we drove like half it. an hour away to go to this baptism. And um. The guy who was like running it was this guy named Brad Barton, who had, I don't know, like 30,000 followers on Telegram at this time. And since then, he has like 130,000 followers. He hosted a 9-11 Memorial Day event that featured General Flynn and Lynn Wood that I paid $500 to go to. And I had to bring my own chair. Holy shit. I, which meant I had to buy a chair at the event in addition to buying my ticket. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Genius I, I gotta ask him. Okay. Keep going because I have more grift questions. Yes. Yeah. I call it my BYOC, my bring your own chair event. So <laughs> I did that. I went to another event he had in South Carolina. So he is like becoming huge, but he's not really like gaining any like media traction. He certainly has a bigger following than Vaccine Police does. Mm-hmm. I, I did get to keep the chair. I was a $25 chair. I got a deal on the chair. So, okay, the chair is like, it looks like a plate, but then you twist it. You know those, like, finger traps? It's kind of like, it, you, like, yeah. pulls. Like, it kind of looks like that when you pull it out. So it's, like, portable. So you can put it in your luggage when you're done. The chairs were $35. But the woman selling the chairs was, like, friendly with me because I had seen her so many times. So she gave me a bargain Aww. for $25 chair. So 500 for the ticket, $25 for the chair. Wow. And that's like, and that's someone who, that's like their side business. Someone just like, I know they're not going to have chairs here, so I'm just going to set up my chair shop. Oh, man, I'm going to really mess your day up. Okay, so she sells uh, all this Trump stuff at like every event you can imagine, like, Mm -hmm. like Second Amendment events, um, like things that Trump around, like she like donates money to Trump these blinked out purses that say Trump on them. She's got, she actually sold me, I have a hat that says like, fuck Biden that she sold me at a different event. She's every, every QAnon or Trump event you can think of, they have a presence, her little company does. But yeah, she knew it was a bring your own chair event. So she ordered a bunch of chairs because she also sells them at Trump like rallies when he speaks. So there's like a whole side world of like, whatever you want to sell. I'm always struck by like the black people selling the stuff at the events. And I'm like, Look at this, just hustling because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure how many of these people I saw like one video where the guy was like, I'm just selling this shit because it sells. And you're like, wow, yeah, what an interesting. And then you have the people who are like, I'm so devoted. I do custom bejeweled pimp cups for that. Say go, Brandon. Hey, we got it all. Right. <laughs> yeah, let's take a quick break. I do want to ask about weaknesses and that like the scammability of the like supporter base seems to be one potential one. But yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk more about this. And we're back. 
And yeah, we were, we were talking before the break about just, first of all, who we're going to see like rising up. And it does seem to be just an assortment of scammers. Like what, what are the weaknesses that you see that like could bring the whole kind of far right, you know, movement that has a lot of energy right now, like down or slow it down, I guess? Great question. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, I think it's got it. There's not like there's not one answer for everybody. Right. Like you would have to 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 localize it, make it very like. So if you follow this person who has these events, maybe you can separate somebody from like following that influencer, but they might still follow like QAnon. It's it's really hard to say. I I think in terms of just like kneecapping it, like I, I'm an advocate of first line of defense is banning people from social media platforms because that's, you know, like number one, but it can't stop there. You have to like continue on. <laughs> mm -hmm. If these people, I mean, there's a lot of MLM crossover. A lot of pyramid scheme people are in this industry now, and so they're going to learn that, the secrets to success. The secrets uh -oh. to success. It's true. Oh no! And how to be more? <laughs> and how to be a more confident business person? <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, it's so funny because sometimes I listen to the speakers, and you like. You can tell they took their old MLM speeches and just changed a couple of words to make it QAnon related. It's it's and a right. lot of them like I, they've scrubbed their old stuff from the Internet. And I've been able to find some things, you know, that's older of them actually giving MLM speeches. And right. you can run it next to each other and you just like it's it's so frustrating <laughs> that right, this is right, happening. Right. So, yeah. Right. Like so unlocking your personal power has become our fight against tyrannical uh, sexual predators. Yep. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. I see together and we can unlock that power. That's wild. So because I mean, yeah, it, it is clear that at a certain point, you're like so many like a lot of these people are in there for the grift and also just like probably like the ego reinforcement of being like, I love it. I go to these places. People fucking scream and like they love me and I lie and I make money. It all works. Like, what do you think the spread the split is of people who are, you know, trying to ascend, whether through influencing or like these MLM people that are like fully bought in and the people who are completely cynical, just scam artists who are like, dude, these people are so fucking easy to like bilk. Like I, I literally got them to buy their own chairs at a fucking event. They paid 500 for, you know what I mean? Like, I'm curious what, cause that seems like the weaknesses is that clearly there are people who are fully bought in on in every dimension of like right-wing extremism, but there's also a very clear group of people who are like, man, that's a fuck. I can squeeze a lot of dollars out of these people too. Yeah. I don't know that there's a big division. I mean, mm. because think about it. If you take any group of people, right? Like I own a mm. business, you know, if you like put a group of people like anything, I voted for Bernie, take a group of Bernie supporters, right? Or like, I like, I like to hike, take a group of people who like hiking. You're going to mm. have people who are like business minded. You're going to have people who are scammers. You're going to have people who are like gullible. It doesn't matter. Right. You know what your base is. And so I think for most people, what's happening is they support Trump and they support like the cause and they're just seeing an opportunity the way that you would in any other like situation financially. I don't think there's many people who are like disillusioned with like Trump or MAGA world who are super involved in it. I mean, on the other like end, like I think out of all the people who are like, like I think Mike Lindell is a true believer with beyond mm -hmm. anything. I think he's willing to like lose whatever because he's such a true believer. And I don't think that's most people. I think most people are a little bit more grounded in reality than Mike Lindell is. 
But I, uh, I don't really think that there's too many complete non-believers who are like running, running the scam in here. At the right. very least, you know, a lot of them are donating to Trump and it's it's public and traceable. And so I right. believe that they are at the very least a Trump supporter. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the last we checked in from a electoral perspective with this movement, like a shocking number of Americans voted for Trump, like would. And I know I like this isn't necessarily your area of expertise, but like I, I guess my theory is that it has only grown in popularity since then, just based on how many like people like just a comparison of the average person and their opinions on vaccines and like the government and then Trump in general. Like it, it feels like, I don't know, I, I'm very pessimistic about where, like what we're going to find out in the 2022 midterms. Like, do you, is there any reason for hope that you're seeing? Like anything late, like you mentioned that some people are like a little bit more on the fence than we might expect. But like, what what are your thoughts? Are they organizing? Do you, do you think that we're fucked? Thoughts? <laughs> so I'll preface it by saying that like, at the end of the day, there's like more people in this country who are not neo-fascist white nationalists. So like, right. we, we don't have to lose, but we could. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're organizing. They are... Over the summer, I went to an event that Linwood was at. Linwood had run for office in South Carolina. And the man who convinced him to run for office was a man named Presley Stutz. And Presley Stutz was a Tea Party guy who, like, is now, obviously, like, there's a lot of crossover from Tea Party into this world now. And the Tea Party's whole thing, you know, over a decade ago was run for school board, run for local elections. And so he was teaching us about that. And he was saying things to us like... You might be sitting in this room. We were in Greenville, South Carolina, so it's not like a big city or anything. You know, you're, you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, I only make $9 an hour. I only have, you know, a GED. Like, I don't know anything. How how can I contribute? And instead of being like, like sometimes Democrats do, where it's like, oh, Lauren Boebert's an idiot because she has a GED, instead of being, you know, like gatekeeping, he was like, all you have to do is listen to us and we'll teach you everything you need to know. We can help you, you know, like you're here and that means you want to learn. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your job is because you can help change the future of our country. Mm. Presley Stutz led a a harassment campaign to bully and terrorize the woman who had won uh, like the head of like the local GOP into quitting, like harassed her kids, harassed her. And it worked. And, you know, she quit. And then I think Presley was in charge and now he's dead of COVID because every event I went to was a super spreader event and he refused to get vaccinated. So now, you know, but before he died, he was able to, like, take over. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, watching all of this stuff play out and how it's being planned and then coming back into the normal world and seeing how, like, regular people are interacting with each other, you know, that aren't in the depths of this. It's I mean, like, how many Democrat campaigns are, like, gonna, you know, be like Lauren Boebert's an idiot. QAnon is stupid. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's stupid. Like there's a lot of of rhetoric like that. And that really worries me because they are really working hard to like be like, you know, we're the party of the people and you might be, you know, a poor son of a bitch, but we don't care. And so I think we need to reevaluate, well not we, but you know, the D Triple C needs to reevaluate how they are handling things and what message they want to send out uh to right. to people who are voters in their party. And I think that's where it 
it makes me cynical, right? Because the answer to fighting extremism is to address inequality, right? Right. And we're not able to do that substantively uh, in this country. So it's only making the, the soil more fertile for the extremism. And then you couple that with Democrats who don't want to actually address inequality in a substantive, tangible way. And we've seen how much they're like, hey, man, our strategy is just going to be, like you're saying, to gesture at this clown. That's right. we'll be like, what about this asshole, though? Huh? And you're right. That's not that's not a winning strategy, because for all the, the shit talking that happens, it's like, well, what do Republicans stand for? People need to see that there is actually some kind of action that goes along with a given party's leadership. And if the only thing that you can offer people when they're destitute and, you know, scrapping together in existence is, hey, what about Lauren Boebert? That does fuck all for someone. Right. Does fuck all for someone. Rather than saying, we need a fucking, we need to smash that win minimum wage to the point that you can't even believe what minimum wage is. That you'll be like, fuck it, actually, I want to, now I can, I can actually do whatever the fuck I want because I can live off of being a florist or whatever, whatever job or, you know, whatever kind of gig that you want. And yeah, I think that's what really unsettles me is to see that the dysfunction is so clear, but obviously because of this capitalistic system we're in, there's no way that like the, we, we can have like a true realignment and prioritizing the, the general populace rather than, you know, the decision makers at the top. Yeah. And then like the two things that make me mo feel the shittiest about the country's future are anytime I look at like the Democrats and their reaction to like anything at this point and like their attempts to like win people over by like, you know, criticizing people for being stupid like you guys are talking about or just assuming that like just because the mainstream media is on their side and like buying into like what they say that like that's going to like hold any weight anymore. I feel like that's like less and less the case. And then when you also like look at the other side and they have like the they have like American exceptionalism and, you know, white supremacy and violence, like open violence on their side, like those are all pretty potent in American history. So that's those are the reasons I'm feeling bad today. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, what we see constantly, though, when people are, you know, on the on the more optimistic side of things, when people's backs are against the wall, like we're seeing some kind of pushback, whether that's people trying to get organized to do what they can to have a more, you know, equitable existence without completely outside of the power structures of like elected politicians. Yeah. So there is that like I do count on human nature to prevail on some level, but I don't know that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to game out in electoral math, which I think that's where probably on the precipice of a very significant like societal shift again, right. as if the pandemic weren't enough. Yeah. Well, one of the things that makes me hopeful, on the other hand, is seeing people do brave shit like go undercover with these violent maniacs and like actually like do the hard reporting that i personally am too much of a coward to do so i i really appreciate you doing it i appreciate you coming on the show amanda yeah. where can people kind of find you follow you all that good stuff i'm on uh twitter and instagram at no turtle soup 17 there you go and then um, i'll have some more articles coming out um, i guess in the next couple of weeks about my time undercover nice mm. 
Is there a tweet or some other work of social media that you've been enjoying? I don't know if I've been enjoying it, but I've been thinking about it since I saw it last night, and I can't stop thinking about it. So it's from Isabel Sandoval, who says, it's, she's responding to somebody asking, what's the weirdest celebrity interaction you've ever had? And she says, I took a pic of Mark Ruffalo on the subway while he was taking pics of my shoes, which he then posted on Instagram. And um, what? I just, yep. Yes. So Is it's that his thing? Is I don't know what he does on Instagram. I don't know. I can tell you, I did not go look at his Instagram. Yeah, but she posted a screenshot of him putting her feet up on uh up on Instagram. Hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. All right, okay. Mark. <laughs> See you later, fool. Later, Bray. <laughs> wow. All right, I'm gonna head on out. <laughs> Great find, <laughs> uh, Miles. Where can people find you? What is the tweet you've been enjoying? So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. And also, if you like trash TV to get you get your heart pumping blood through your rotten corpse like me, uh, check out 420 Day Fiance with Sophie Alexander and I, where we love to watch 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight and all that nonsense. Um, some tweets I like. Since we're talking about celebrity interactions, let's do a positive one. This is from first at Hipster Crit. Lauren Moderi t- uh, tweeted, tell me the strangest interaction that you've had with a celebrity. And uh, at Lucid J replied, once Andre 3000 was on my ferry ride to Alcatraz and I said, hi, my six year old autistic son came over and started talking his ear off about German shepherds, his obsession at the time. Andre talked to him about dogs for like 20 minutes. We exchanged numbers. Four years later. I got this text and it's a screen cap that says, hi, Jason, I was searching for a name and yours popped up. I remember our cool encounter on the boat. Ha, how's the kid? I'm living in NYC now. So if you're ever here, please Shut reach out. Fuck up. <laughs> that better be real. That better what? be fucking real. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. I mean, because we, we do hear we do hear how like, you know, personal like Andre is like out there, like, you know, always just kind of blessing people with wonderful experiences. So, you know, shout out Jason. And then another one, I just want to point out, this is from at Molly Taft. Molly Taft tweeted a screen uh, cap. So it says, media CEO, we're doing a series on salary transparency. Same media CEO. Wait, no, stop asking about, no, wait, no, stop asking about mine. So Nicholas Carlson tweeted, uh, he's like, insiders launching a series that demystifies people's salaries and we need your help. At Beck Peterson asks, what is your salary, Nick? He replies, fun question. I'd rather not say publicly for lots of practical reasons. I'm sure you can imagine. This feels a little wimpy, but also prudent. I think I would submit it to some third party I could trust to keep it anonymous and average it with other people's roles like mine. (laughs) (laughs) Fun question. Fun question. Fun question. (laughs) That's great. That's a great thing to say when you've just been fucking owned. Just windmilled on. your honor. Yeah. How do I plead? Plead is such a funny word. Just chest pass it right back. All right, what's yours then, homie? Huh. Yeah. That's a that's a doozy. That's a fun one. <laughs> Damn, that Andre thing, huh? Right? Fuck. I hope that's true. All right, let's see. It's a couple tweets I've been enjoying. In honor of Air National Day, I, I want to call out this tweet from a couple days back. Hot Girl Mess at Alarvia tweeted, People in L.A., I'm staying away from carbs and sugar. People in Chicago, Portillo's chocolate cake is the best because they put mayonnaise in the batter to make it denser. (laughs) And love Portillo's. 
Charlie James tweeted, I would like to take part in a scheme. Not a pyramid one, just a little heist or something. So anybody who's got one of those going on, I don't know, you know, reach out to them. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do you think people might enjoy? Oh, man, this is a this one's called Boys with Toys. And it's a it's like this. The sample was used in this Swiss Beats track with the locks that I really like. It's called Something Dirty. Uh, But hearing this brass sample, it's really cool. Just track like, you know, this is from like a compilation of like obscure sample tracks uh, that I found. Uh, But it's by Gap Mangione, what they're putting there for the artist. But yeah. If you like some brass music, you like something that feels a little, you know, throwbacky. just check this out for a little texture. This is Boys With Toys. All right. Well, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. Uh, but we are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.